Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight Podcast, your home for conversations with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. My name is Sam Saddam, and today we will talk to author James Asriel. James has published three books with Book Baby and hopefully has more to come in the future. In the news this week, we have Macmillan Publishers receiving criticism for what's been labeled as unfair business practices involving their e-books. Per Gabrielle Emanuel's reporting for WGBH, Macmillan is repeatedly changing their policies regarding ebooks to the detriment of local libraries. They've enacted several different rules, including a library pricing model, which makes the books more expensive than their print counterpart, sometimes more than five times as expensive. These files also come with a time restriction, wherein the library then has to pay the full price again after two years. Most recently, they've delayed when the library can actually buy new releases and making it well after the original launches. Librarians are calling this unfair, unethical, and possibly illegal. Macmillan claims that they're just trying to remain profitable, blaming libraries for declining ebook sales. But the real issue may be Amazon, which stands to gain from people not having easy access to books at their library. But we'll continue to follow this story, and we'll see how it can shift the industry in this new decade. And next up, I'll be joined by James Azriel. James is the head curator with the HSPPA, and has written three books now about the organization. All right, James, thanks for talking to me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So first up, what is the HSPPA? Yeah, so the HSPPA is the Horror and Sci-Fi Prop Preservation Association. Uh, We're a nonprofit traveling museum that goes across the country, conventions, theaters, and whatnot. Uh, Our efforts are to preserve filmic history for generations to come. So uh, the process of, of donations and whatnot is to put back into the props to to fix them, to restore them, to do the things that are necessary to keep them alive, if you will, you know. Um, but then the uh, the added aspect of it is is presenting it to the fans that until you, you see it in person, a lot of people don't necessarily realize how how emotionally connected they might be to, to a film or, or, you know, when they, like, they hold a Harry Potter wand for the first time and, and they're like, Oh my goodness! This is the real one, and it's like they can actually feel the magic of a Hogwarts going through them. So, yeah, it's it's kind of like Disney in a box, if you will. <laughs> so, how did this collection get started? I started with my own. I don't want to mention any company names until they start paying me. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting a cable service removed and a new one put into my house, and the techs were in my house. Um, I don't know, six, seven hours. And they kept calling in other techs from other locations in the area to come quote unquote, help them. And I was just giving tours to these other techs mm-hmm. of my house of, of the, uh, the props and whatnot I have hanging around in here. And that's when it kind of dawned on me that I needed to share this with other people. And I'm an old road dog. So I, I, I know touring, I know transportation. And uh, so I, I started off, I loaded up the old band trailer and, and hit up convention. And just to show what the whole thing was, it just exploded from there. And that was that was 2015 was the first one. That is really cool. 
What are some of the exhibits that you're displaying or, or working on now? This past year, 2019, I got together with three other of my curators. The HSPPA is, uh, I, I use quotes, worldwide. You know, <laughs> we, we haven't actually traveled worldwide, but we have members uh, across the globe that okay. have either donated or participated in some way in like our books. Um, we've got people in the books from Japan, Hong Kong, UK, Canada, all over, all over the place. So, um, three of, three of my other curators and I opened a bakery out in, uh, out just outside of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, called Spooky Swirls. And in that has a museum of screen use props. Mm-hmm. So it's a horror and sci-fi gluten-free bakery with a prop museum provided by the HSPPA. I know it, it sounds crazy. Business model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, if you will, Planet Hollywood, but on a smaller scale and better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I literally just did uh, an exhibit revamp there. So about every six months, we're doing kind of uh, a new amount of props so that we keep things interesting and, and, and updated for everyone to keep coming back, uh, and particularly those that travel. Uh, so this one is uh, very, very focused on Silent Hill. Are you familiar? I'm not, no. With the, the video games, and uh, there are two movies, Silent Hill and Silent Hill Revelations. Uh, it's it's a horror video game. I don't want to get too deep into the, the mythos, but it's got some of the most iconic creatures, probably, of in, in, uh, in horror. Um, one of them, and I'm sure you've seen images not even knowing what Silent Hill is, but Pyramid Head, which, as it says, is a giant pyramid uh, on his head. <laughs> and then the uh, the nurses, which you probably have seen around, they're, they're fairly provocative, but they're ghastly, distorted faces, and, and they move in very jerky fat and, and kill. <laughs> so we have a full wall of Silent Hill with two pyramids, um, five nurses, and then wardrobes from the various uh, actors that were in it, including Sean Bean, who uh, is of Hobbit fame, or uh, Lord of the Rings, um, uh, Rada Mitchell, and Silent Hill Revelation was Kit Harrington's first feature film. Okay. So we have, we have his in there as well. So so there's that, and then there's, there's a whole bunch of other stuff. We have Wonder Woman's TR and Lasso. There's Danny DeVito's stunt mask from Batman Returns, uh, Freddy Krueger makeup, uh, Jason's machete from Beauty and the Beast, uh, the 2017 movie. Uh, before they made him CGI, they had a full practical beast, which is just incredible. Because of the holiday, there's some, uh, some Christmas stuff in there, like Zero, the, the puppet from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, the little dog. And other things like that. So, as I understand it, your book uh, or your books actually have three with us. Uh, so, as I understand, it, they're uh, just collections of your exhibits. Uh, well, it's 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 a look. So, in in all, um, my curators and and whatnot, we probably have around five six thousand items consecutively, and there's probably only about a hundred hundred fifty in in each book. But the uh, what what they are, I, I like to call it like the HSPPA in your living room. It's a coffee table book that is like an experience of an exhibit. So it's not just high res pictures of, of items. It's stories of them. And it's not like this is a lightsaber from blah, 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 use blah, blah, blah. It's our stories about the pieces like we would share 
at the exhibit talking to you. Uh, so it's very personable. And then there's also some participation from some of the SFX guys that actually made some of the items. Uh, like we have the Soul Puppet from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. I think it's volume two. <laughs> so we've got the Soul Puppet in there that was used. And Nick Benson, who worked for uh, Steve Johnson on the, uh, the set doing various things, he ended up actually puppeteering that puppet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he wrote his own account in there what it was like and, and, and doing it. And there's a bit of a, a thrill as to why Robert, Robert uh, England is actually screaming in this scene <laughs> due to the puppet, but you'll have to read to find out, you know? So, yeah. And then some of the actors too, like uh, um, Paul Taylor, who played pinhead and Hellraiser judgment. Um, I have the full costume and we have it in volume three and we did a convention with Paul he uh, wanted to to wear the costume again, so we dressed him at the show <laughs> in it. And there's pictures of that whole process. And then he wrote this incredible essay on the uh, on on him getting to play the part and what it was like to see the costume, not only see it, but uh, put it on again after two two and a half years. So there's there's some incredible stuff in these books. So <laughs> the idea that uh, you should you know turn this collection into a book. Uh, being the, the, <laughs> uh, being the nonprofit and we do these shows and whatnot, um, you know, there, we're not making money at this. Some people seem to think that we were out there just selling our collection to be viewed. And that's totally not the case. Um, we are a registered nonprofit. Uh, the thing is that we found that, uh, like the book 35 retail, we sell it for 30 at the show. And people are more willing to spend like 30 bucks to donate the 10 or 15 or whatever that that difference is in the book costs and then to just donate 10, 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. So that that's really where it came from was that we needed stuff to to sell, you know, and we're, we're not a, a merchandise company. We're not, you know, selling Funkos and and whatnot. So we needed something that that represented and was interesting and and just as valid as what we were doing gotcha so how did you find book baby uh i uh, uh being the old old road dog musician we had put our, our cds out through disc makers and cd baby decades ago so yeah it was you guys are the same family and it just kind of uh came about you know um i of course priced out <laughs> and compared you guys and whatnot but i was familiar with the company i i knew the product i had seen some other things from people you guys have put out so and and dealing with you guys is is just incredible when there was ever an issue you guys were right on top of it communicated and that's that's what i need <laughs> i need people that i can reach out to and reach back and are there when i need them glad to hear that so what was the original or the overall uh, reaction to your book uh the reaction has been incredible the uh we've gotten very little press outside of um some podcasts and, and things where people are at the shows and, and pick up because we didn't do um a press run on this stuff you know there's no no uh digital pdf copies of the books and nothing got sent out to any press companies and, and my my thought process on that is a i mean i i don't have <laughs> the money to run a uh, a press uh jaunt on the stuff um being that the whole purpose was to raise money with it than to spend it on advertising would be kind of counterintuitive. So that I'm, I'm sure kind of hurt us on, on the uh, press angle, if you will. Um, 
that I refused to to give away free copies. But the ones that that did come out did get it, did review it and stuff. I, it I I've at least nobody has ever told me it's 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 bad. <laughs> so so there's that. Um, no, I'm I'm very very proud of it. Proud of all three of them. Um, we we kickstarted them. So that that's a, a sign right there. You know, they're all successfully kickstarted. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that process was like using Kickstarter? Kickstarter is, is something that that requires strong anxiety drugs, I think. So I did something I don't necessarily recommend doing this. <laughs> uh, it's kind of cheating the system, if you will. Uh, it's it's a guaranteed success. That my my goal on on all of these was like one dollar. Being with with Book Baby, you guys are a uh, print on demand, so I could order whatever I needed, even if it was one copy, <laughs> you know, and, and because I'm doing all the work, there's again, quote unquote, no overhead, not like I was getting a paycheck to do these. So with all of that in mind, there was no risks involved because I was making the book. Uh, so it was going to be successful if even one person took it, which is cheating the, their system, if you will, on a success. So the odd part, would be if you looked at the campaigns, you'll see that there's like three, four hundred thousand percent funded, <laughs> and that's because of the the one dollar. Uh, so, so that wasn't too difficult. The the anxiety thing, though, I it's you you have uh, people are supportive. You have really really strong first couple of days, and then it just drops. Like there's there's nothing, and you're just sitting there, just twiddling your thumbs, like biting your nails, going, oh, it, "Does anybody care? Is it, it what am I doing?" And then you get to the last couple of days and, you know, cause everybody's a procrastinator and that's when, uh, when it comes in. So I've, I have advice to anyone that's doing one is be realistic and don't cheat like I did, unless you know, you can come through, um, regardless of the win, but don't, don't let the non, um, movement or, or back and forth or whatever, get to you. Just, just, just give it your all, just go with it and, and then keep on it. Roll, roll, uh, roll with it. Solid advice. So how do you market the book? Just the horror conventions and at your bakery and museum? Or do you have any other uh, strategies? It, it's on our, our Facebook pages and, and groups and stuff. You know, it's, again, I don't push it like I probably should. And that's because I guess like if, you, if you're buying it from, from Book Baby or, or from Amazon or what, the, it, it's not necessarily doing its purpose of the donation aspect. So I, I push it at the shows. That's, you know, where where that that money comes from and that's because of the kickstarter the point of the kickstarter was to fund amount of books that we had that we could take with us to the shows to sell so that there wouldn't be an overhead for the museum itself yeah I and mean, there's there's the links for it and promotion just like on, on the facebook pages and and whatnot but yeah it's definitely more of an in-person thing that we push if you will so is there anything that surprised you about the publishing industry when you first got started or a whole list of things? <laughs> uh, you know, it's there, there probably should be volume one was the first book I made, but I've been publishing and, and creating, you know, for, for 25 years with CDs, Blu-rays, DVDs, artwork, posters, you know, things. So I'm, I'm pretty into the whole process of, of how it kind of functions. And I, I definitely could have used the benefits of an editor, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, I, 
I find the mistakes, you know, when you, when you stare at it forever and even with the proofreaders, they, they don't catch everything. Um, I think on the first page of the first book, I actually leave out one of the words. I think, I think I just say the horror sci-fi prop preservation. I think I left off association. So like the very first thing that you'll read is, is a screw up. So yeah, I I could have used the benefits of somebody that really had done some of this. Uh, Another one would be the, um, with the photos. uh, I think on the, on the first book, I didn't CMYK everything. I think I left it in, in, RGB or so some of the, or I used more black backgrounds where I should have used white backgrounds to bring out certain photos. So it was, it was a little bit of a learning process, but you get there. (laughs) So are you kicking around any other book ideas or just a fourth volume of this one? I'd like to do a fourth volume plans to do 10 of them. It's just time, you know, (laughs) you know, I, I, uh, I spend probably two and a half to three months on each of these books. That was basically my, my day job. He's doing these, um, you know, the Kickstarter would, would start in December and end shortly before Christmas and then would end in mid January. Then I'd write the book and have it to you guys by beginning mid March. So I just don't, you know, with, with opening the bakery and still doing these exhibits and everything, you know, for the HSB, all the traveling and everything, um, just had to put it off for this year. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I'd like to do more, definitely, because it's it's. I love doing them. The interest is there. We'll we'll definitely keep it going. Well, I think the key question then is: Are you going to publish with Book Baby again? Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. <laughs> yeah. Before I let you go, uh, our listeners can't see your Star Wars T-shirt, but I'm very curious for your thoughts. I have not seen it yet. Thinking about this weekend, what do you think? I think you absolutely should see it. Should we be saying spoiler alert here, or is it a? <laughs> uh, I don't want any spoilers. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Right. That's what I figured. So I don't want to want to say anything. Um. It's it's it does what it it's supposed to do. It's it, I I laughed. I cried. It was amazing ride. I did, however, just hear that at the end of the month they're supposed to be re-releasing it in the theater with another twenty minutes of footage. So. And <laughs> maybe i'll wait then <laughs> yeah. um well you got to see it more than once anyway <laughs> <laughs> All right. well thank you so much james hey thank you sam appreciate it and that was james asriel horror aficionado musician curator and with the help of book baby a published author for James's book and thousands of others, check out store.bookbaby.com. If you're interested in getting your book published with BookBaby, shoot an email to one of our self-publishing specialists at info at bookbaby.com or give us a call at 877-961-6878. And don't forget to rate, follow, subscribe, etc. to the BookBaby Spotlight podcast. Thanks again to James for joining us and Jim and Brian, as always, for their tireless work. Until next time, I'm Sam Saddam, and this has been the BookBaby Spotlight. Thanks for listening. Thank you.